0: Hey y'all! Welcome back to Stone Podcast, where our positive news articles come to life. My name is Naisha Stone, and I'm your host. I'm also the founder of Stone, your weekly source of positive news. So on today's episode, we'll be discussing how to support our youth and what it means to be a leader in a community. So, with that being said, I would like to introduce today's guest, Justin Cunningham, who is executive director of Chancellor Rappers Nonprofit Social Works. Hey, Justin.
1: Hey, what's happening? How you doing?
0: I'm doing good. Thanks so much for making time. I really, really appreciate
1: it. Yeah, without a doubt.
0: Yeah, so just for a little background, uh, I'm a huge, huge fan of Chance the Rapper. He touched my right hand when he came to Milwaukee a few years ago when he was first starting out. And so when I found out that he started a nonprofit, I wanted to be engaged with it because it's in Chicago. I'm from Milwaukee. And as you know, we kind of like cousins. So it only made sense, um, you know, to try to connect. So that led to us meeting and then me connecting you to some organizations in Wisconsin. And now we're here. So um, I want to start off just talking about how you got involved uh, with social works and um, how being executive director, what you're doing to what you'll do on a day to day basis that supports the mission um, of the nonprofit.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would love to talk about it. And again, thank you again for for allowing, you know, myself and, you know, uh, the Social Works mission to be spread on the Carved in Stone airways. I appreciate it. Um, So how did I get involved with Social Works? It it has been a long journey. I got involved, I want to say, in the middle of college when a mentor of Chances, myself, and honestly, a lot of Chicago creatives passed away suddenly. His name was Brother Mike Hawkins, and he was that foundational glue that that really conveyed to all of us young people that larger missions, larger goals could be possible, especially through this, you know, um winding road of of creativity. So when he passed after providing, you know, countless spaces and countless meetings and just himself to the to to us, we decided to fill that void with what is now called open mic. And that started in February, 2015, while I was still very much in college. So working remotely, helping Chance and his team, as well as all the other volunteers uh, to find venue venue locations, you know, and just help out with some of the early workings that turned into social works initiatives, you know, like um, Chance's warmest winter came from when he decided to, Reach out to people in Detroit to try to get warming jackets. So a lot, a lot of me getting into this role was, of course, helping my friends and my community, but also having uh, the skills and knowledge to be able to say, "Hey, I can, you know, run this organization and push it further." So since our pilot projects, like I said, the warmest winter that brought in, you know, a thousand coats, we were able to raise over hundred and ten thousand dollars. We didn't even think that was possible at the time. Or how Open Mic has grown to like these, these monthly uh, convenings with like 20, 20 or so youth to now having, of course, of course, pre-pandemic, like higher than like 200, you know, young people showing up to the library, just to like, first off, showing up to the library, golly, how many people can say like, yeah, we get a whole bunch of kids to show up to the library every month, <laughs> but being able to, um to like to foster them and finding out that the, our approach at Social Works in the in the missions and the initiatives that we feel that uh, youth need and that youth are requesting, they're actually resonating with. You know, was a big part of going. You know, actually creating a nonprofit closer to May 2016. So, um, so so with that, of course, we formalize a lot of roles. We've got a team of two, team of two, three now. Of course, myself being the executive director and Essen Smith being director of operations and communications. A lot of what goes into my role is uh, fundraising, you know, fundraising, making sure that we have the money to do, do what's do what's possible. And especially when you have this uh, relationship with the community like Social Works does, where I feel like it's a really very much so a revolving door. You know, being able to respond to the needs and respond to, you know, policy that happens literally like every quarter in Chicago is something that's very important to us. Also, a uh, strategic partnership, you know, um, we can't do anything by ourselves, and I never say that we can. So being able to find whether that be volunteers, whether that be, you know, different warehouses or, or different like shipping locations, or whether it be um just council. You know, people who are able to um, advise in in a business more like business management uh, side, all those things um, help us. So fundraising, strategic partnerships, Do you want to say also just like pushing things forward. You know you got to dedicate some time to send out the emails to 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 research on LinkedIn. you know, find out who these people are in your community so you can be able to uh, to share. You know, because one of the things in the nonprofit industry is like everybody is so heads down. You know, I feel like we're all affected by this mindset of scarcity. We're all affected by, you know, the institution of capitalism. We're all affected by structural injustices that are affecting our communities in very different ways. So <clears throat> so being able to respond to that and being able to create, of course, partnerships funding and being able to respond to the needs is, is very important and of course pushing things forward also some of the things that are a little bit maybe uncouth for an executive director that I kind of lean into more is like I like uh I like getting out there hands and hustle you know so sometimes I'm a truck driver loading up materials that we need from our U-Haul storage you know uh next Monday December 5th December 6th I'm actually going to be out um, picking up some of our warming items from our 19 locations throughout Chicago. So very hands-on organization. I, mean, I am a very hands-on, you know, servant leader. I don't believe in making people do things that I'm not able to do, or I don't want more. So I don't want to do, if I'm not able to do it good, that means we can find somebody better to do it. So i um, a lot of teamwork, a lot of collaboration, fundraising, project management, and things of that nature
0: amazing that's why I love the non-profit like for real like y'all are doing things that we like do on a smaller level with carbon stone so we we've collected we've uh tried to give it was kind of hard so um I think in like 2016 we collected some hats and gloves me and a few friends and we were walking around downtown Milwaukee trying to find homeless people to give them to I didn't know how hard that actually was to find homeless people and actually give them stuff so it was it was difficult but it was fun to do and then that just got me inspired like this is what we have to do through Carbonstone. Stone. Positive news, yes, but we got to get funding. We have to make sure, like, we support people. So to know, like, you know, y'all right up the street, like, it's, it's honestly amazing um, to hear. But I want to dive into the youth part. So what have you been learning about the youth, um, you know, in Chicago and the type of support they need? And how does the nonprofit, you know, how does your mission align with, you know, supporting the youth? Yeah,
1: yeah, that's a great question. I do want to just pause for a second and say, shout out Milwaukee, yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. Milwaukee. Milwaukee has shown love to Social Works as well as uh, the Chance Rapper organization for years. I mean, I think Milwaukee is one of the only places where it's like a Chance Day. I think he has a key to the city, and that is just so remarkable. So, a lot of love, a lot of concerts uh, yeah, in Milwaukee. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> uh, but uh, all right, but you know, back to the business. Back to the youth. Um, so, 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 what have I learned from the youth? I've learned that they are multidisciplinary and very much so have the tools and the vision in their arsenal, but not necessarily able to connect the dots for execution. So I feel that it's very important for social works to align programming that fits to that multidisciplinary-ness of our population. And you can just see it as people Fuse um videography and art as people start to fuse tech with their art. You know, with NFTs and non fungible tokens. You know, as well as being able to, you know, want to affect policy and education, but through the lens of design. You know, I, I talk to youth and they're like, "Well, yeah, school is cool, but it shouldn't feel like school." You know, is there some ways that we can start to design open? you know, floor plans to the to to be able to, you know, rearrange classrooms and have it be so adjacent to nature that you might also feel like you're in nature. So, like, I think, like, all that stuff is very much mind-blowing, and it's not about telling people what's right or wrong, because the things in which we're doing now, I mean, the the organization that I work with now wasn't even a thing when I graduated college, you know, so, like, teachers used to always say, the jobs that you want, you know, they don't even exist yet. But of course, that was like a colloquialism or like a, a platitude for tech. But like we're so we're seeing that, but we're also seeing our, our students being able to jump on the front lines and define what that future is. So it's really just like stepping back, making sure you're receptive, providing the needs for these or for these young people, and being able to assist them on their journey. Of um of of creation and that has really lent lent itself you know social works is a seven year organization so some of our students within our five to thirteen range are now in high school and some of the people who are in high school are now in college so being able to um, make sure that their needs are met and providing pipelines where they can assist other youth that are that were in similar situations is what we're trying to do you know we're trying to build connective tissue within our communities in Chicago. And then once we have that connective tissue, I feel that social works in its community is b- more able to address these policies and these institutions who are creating those policies and making decisions for that investment. You know, a lot of the time in Chicago, youth feel like, you know, they're calling the mayor's office, they're calling their aldermen, they're calling their U.S. senators or U.S. congressional districts, but, You know, it's a problem when they feel like the text message has been read, but it hasn't been acknowledged or responded to. So we want to make sure that we can provide pathways. Once we have that connective tissue, to be able to, you know, elevate that voice to say, "Hey, this is what students need. This is what they're asking for in terms of investment." And here, here are the numbers behind it. You know, so go ahead and make, uh, make a more equitable decision, you know, for these communities for, you know, the next five to 10 years.
0: Thank y'all for doing the work because there's so many similarities between Milwaukee and Chicago, which is why we got to talk about doing a partner thing in the summer. I want to do something. I don't know what, but I've been really thinking about it for years, by the way. Um, (laughs) But you brought up a good point. You said when you were in college, this type of organization didn't exist and a lot of professors. So I graduated in 2018 yeah from college and so the exact same thing happened with me I didn't want to go work for some a traditional news company and they basically was like well you got of shit out of luck so like what like how does it feel to be working for this organization or just being a part of something that didn't exist and like you brought to you know you brought it to life like what advice would you give to you know people that look just like you when they hear that like I don't even know. Like, you, you got a vision, but people tell you no all the time. Or, like, you can't do it this way. You got to do it this way. So, like, what advice? And, like, how does it feel to just be where you are?
1: Well, I, I look back all the time, and I'm like, how did my life get here? You know, it, it is, it's truly a privilege. It's truly a blessing. I can't imagine... I can't imagine my life at any other at any other point right now. And I can start to see the way that, you know, God has kind of like positioned my steps and made me move around certain corners in the manner that I have to be able to meet the people that I've meet, meet and organizations that I meet that have just like really like poured into the vision and also just like the belief. So like it's, 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 it's crazy. And within, and in that same vein, a blessing, you know, and I'm going to quote Spider-Man or Marvel, but like with great, (laughs) with great power comes great responsibility, you know? So like, so it's hard, it's hard, it's hard, you know, at first, you know, you, and I don't even feel like uh, right now, of course, we're trying to push to the masses what our, what our mission is, of course, like through these amazing videos, like I'm doing with yourself, but before then you have to, convince your parents. You know, I remember telling my mom I'm about to leave my job at Aramark and in and, and like 2016 and that I'm about to start a nonprofit with my friends. At least that's how she calls it. You just gonna start a nonprofit with your friends? I want to start a nonprofit with my friends that, you know, I I hope that could change the fabric of Chicago. And I'm very lucky to to have a a mom who was like, yeah, you know, well, whatever you want to do, son, I'll go ahead. I'll, you know, I got your back. So, you know, it's, it's definitely like that first, you know, making sure that you're confident enough in yourself to be able to pursue something, because especially in this in this realm, when you are your, you know, your own boss, you know, there's nobody telling you when to wake up. There's nobody telling you what you need to do. There's nobody, you know, that's that's saying, well, in 18 months, you should really prepare for this if that's where you're going. You know, and also being like, and also knowing that right now is not necessarily indicative of this season of your life, this week in your life, and maybe, you know, what is possible. So, so three things, because I've been thinking about this a lot. Three things is definitely prioritization. You know, you need to understand your priorities. You need to understand that things that need to be done today need to be done today. And things that need to be done tomorrow need to be done tomorrow. And you need to attack today like no other, you know, because other organizations, other people are all affected by the same thing that we're affected in. you know so priorities change in an instant, funding changes in an instant. so be able to to attack the items that you know you need to do and especially when it turn when it turns into strategic um, partnerships and funding, attack that without a with 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 no hesitation. Number two is you got to be a time traveler you got to be able to willing to find out the information that you don't know to better serve your organization in 18 12 months and be able to also address the needs of right now so you know and you might want to spend some time if you're growing learning what like a crm system is or customer or customer relational management you know you might want to um double down on csm or content or cms excuse me content management system um, because you know that like what you want to do is better received in terms of vi- visuals you know what I'm saying like we live in a we live in a system right now in a world right now so if you don't if you don't record it if you don't know, document it, you know, it basically didn't exist. Unfortunately, I mean, fortunately, it still lives on in the lives of the people that you touched, but maybe the people who weren't there might have a harder time grasping, you know, like what your intention is or what, you know, the um the mission is. So be always be be a be a time traveler for sure. Time traveler, of course, prioritization. And then also the last thing is like. We're all humans, yo. I hate it when people. I hate it when people think that I'm only an executive director, and because my my <laughs> my phone number is in the signature, they now have a free pass to blow up my phone about. I took the mine Something out. that they find.
0: <laughs> I took mine out.
1: I don't know how many times I've been on the other side of like, hello. It's like, hey, it's just me calling. So like, did you just get my email? Like, bro, like I'm. I'm an executive director i'm a son i'm a child of god i'm a community member i'm a Southsider. you know i'm a grandson you know all of these sort of things like make up my life and when you attack or you approach people like their only priority is you i think you miss the mark a lot of the time when we talk about social services there's a lot of ambiguity there's a lot of like anecdotal information that you need to receive to understand who these people are that you're trying to uh, attack. Or, excuse me, not attack, trying to help, but you know, I attack it. You know, I attack <laughs> it when you, when it comes to serving. I attack. But uh, but uh, but so you need to know that. But also, when you talk about organizations and funders that you're trying to solicit, you need to understand that like they're not only worried about what Social Works is doing. Like if their if their bottom line is a is a hundred million or possibly billion dollars you know they're able to see requests from a lot of people and and if and your persistence may come off as rude if you're not able to see the person that uh is behind that email address or behind that phone number who might have to be dealing with a child who might be, you know, new a new mom or a new dad, you know. So being able to add that human element in and not necessarily take everything personal is a big thing that I think that people starting anything should um, should always bring to the table. Because again, you know, we aren't just, you know, robots moving. We're people who love life and want to experience and travel and things like that.
0: Dang, you hit it right on the nose with the third one. My A saying I have that I've been saying for years is human being first, journalist second. Um, a lot of people, like you said, everybody wants something out of life. Everybody wants something. But at the end of the day, like, the person that's working at the bank, they are not just a banker. They got a family. They want to eat. They're hungry. So, like, that's why I like Zoom now because – I've literally had meetings where I'm eating like but I used to like literally go to meetings hungry sometimes because you didn't have enough time and people think it's rude to eat in front but like no I'm legit hungry but I'm still making time to meet with you so I think that's really important you brought that up because everybody wants something in life but not too many people just want to be humans and have relationships and just be like how are you like how many people do you work with on a like client basis and you're just like I just want to you know know if you're doing okay today and if not let's 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 meet another time like it's okay that life happens and I think that with the world that we're in today is like, we kind of confused, like how should we be professional now? Or should I be myself? But it's like, you should know how to be both all the time. Like I am who I am and that's never going to change. So and I don't feel like I should have to go put on a suit in order for you to take me serious. And so I think that's really important that you brought that up. Like, I love that. Cause I never really hear it exactly I just say that.
1: <laughs> yeah, because like I've had one of the worst weeks of, of the year, like definitely like right now. And like people, like people, people, people expecting me to just lie and and come up with platitudes and like the work, the first question that people ask me that I'm just always honest with is like, yo, how you doing? like, honestly, like the first time this year, I've said that like, I was bad every day for like the last like seven days, you know, and people are like, like, I was just expecting you to just say anything like, you know, like, well, let's just remember you asked me how I was. So, like, be careful of the questions that you ask. You know, if you don't necessarily mean it, don't ask me the question. If you just want to see, did I get my email? Just, just ask if I got some time to talk and say, did I get the email? Don't, don't, don't don't play me with the pleasantries.
0: Oh my you been speaking my language. I have people that I haven't heard from in years that are randomly texting me or emailing me and be like, how are you doing? And now I got to the point where I figure out they just want me to cover them for a story. And it makes me so upset. Like, I know I'm a journalist or whatever, but don't just say you want a story. Don't try to play me. And like, <laughs> it's so it's so pointless. Exactly. I'm a real ass person. So it's no point of like putting on this facade. Like, it's just, it's, it's just, it's just dumb. But you brought up that you left your job. So you got a background as in finance. She was on payroll manager um let's talk about that you was consultants uh small to medium minority uh, uh minority owned businesses um what did you think you was gonna do with your life <laughs>
1: what So what did you yeah, want to do so, so that that goes back to the to the genesis story of social work so when i was in college um i was in a pwi um upstate new york in a very different um realm you know they western new york loves hockey you know we didn't have a football team in in my uh in my college or things like that so it was just different i do want to share a story because i always think it's funny and it just kind of makes this like cultural non-diffusion or just like cultural culturalness it just bring like kind of puts it in the forefront so excuse excuse me audience i didn't really have the words for that one but check out the story um so in chicago we use a colloquial named joe called joe and that is a thing in which you know you just you 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 and that is a term that means you are my friend you are somebody that uh, i'm acknowledging as you know a close associate and you know somebody that i want to be around so i would go up in college and stuff and i would call my friend you know hey joe what's happening joe what's good joe and then like people was like slowly getting mad at me because they thought i forgot their name and people would start to respond to me like hey my name's colton hey i'm actually checked you know, my name's Bear, you know, <laughs> and uh, and I would be like, I know that, like, what are you talking about? But it just spoke to just like, the difference of, of culture. And honestly, in college, I was definitely, you know, like fiending for some sort of culture that reminded me of my Blackness, reminded me of Chicago, or reminded me that just like, you know, in Chicago, I feel like we have a culture where like anything is possible in terms of like how we how we protest and advocate for one another, but also because of the many people who've like come through Chicago. You know, if you look inside the Bronzeville area, you'll find all of your favorite writers and music producers used to live there. You know, then we have Common. Then we have like Lupe Fiasco. So these are all these individuals who have like set the standard of what you can do coming out of Chicago. And, um, and yeah, I was just looking for that. So I turned to one of the one of my personal pillars, which was just service. So I found an organization that was going back to Chicago. And I was like, yo, how can I go back to Chicago with y'all? And I was like, well, it's not that easy. You actually got to be a part of the club and got to volunteer and stuff like that. But I was a part of this club called Enactus and that um, and that organization really taught me the skills about how to make giving back cool, and how also to garner lead a team, but also make sure that impact is in the forefront. So, um, so doing all that in college when uh, Chance was like four years in the rap game, he had Common and Twista opening for him now. So, like, my mind's literally blown. You know, we we grew up like showing up to school a little late, you know, because we needed those albums. I remember showing up to school late, going to going to, to Target to get a Lupe Fiasco album or, or that, you know, or the Commons B album, you know, and things like that. So with all that being said, it was at that moment in time that we decided that we wanted to uh do social works. And that kind of just like changed my whole trajectory because I wanted to go to uh to Wall Street because I believe that financial literacy is a major key in which you know, generational wealth can be established, but also, uh, yeah, generational wealth can be established. If you know how to create money and you know how to manage money, then you're light years ahead of a lot of people. And then when we go even more, like there's some things that I imagine that like Jeff Bezos and things are doing with their money that like, I can't even do because I don't even have that level of money. You know, when you talk about shell companies and this and that, and like, just like that was all introduced to me, my literally my final month of high school. And it changed and it changed my major to finance. And then I went into finance to then meet up with Anactus to then change it after a conversation with Chance where I was like, you know what, giving back, I've been doing this for four years here in college. I want to continue to do it. So that is uh so that is is what happened. But when I get back to Chicago, remember, like the organizations, we, we don't have no money to pay anybody. It's not even set up on an LLC. So I had to use my finance degree to get some money or get a job. And I ended up working with Airmark that partnered with the Chicago Bears to do payroll for their um for their um uh, soldier field And then i was able to move over to more of an analyst role within airmark building out budgets for facilities management and also meals because they partner with the chicago public schools to uh to do that for them. Does that make sense?
0: No that's I love it. I love like your mini stories. I think they're great. Keep them coming. Uh, <laughs> but since you brought the topic of money um do you have any tips for young people, especially like the young people that you work with when it comes to making sure, how, how do they begin to start off good when it comes to financials? I know like right now, a lot of people are quitting their jobs, especially young people, like they hopping or whatever, and they're not really thinking about like saving and or they may or may not be, but what advice would you give to, you know, younger people or that you even wish that you got yourself when it comes to like building that generational wealth or just being able to afford an apartment when you want to be able to afford an apartment?
1: I think that... Um... I think that first it starts with your family, you know, when it, 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 it does, it starts with your family. And I don't necessarily, and I don't necessarily know what age range is the best to start introducing you to finance and this idea of debt and sacrifice and things like that. You know, you definitely have to walk a line and make sure that your child is ready to to hear it and also understand that what you're conveying to them, if it is a very tight situation that isn't, that it doesn't necessarily reflect their value or um, or what you're trying, or your, yeah, their value or how they intersect with bills. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I would definitely definitely say that, but it starts with the family. You know, having some sort of idea about how money is managed in the household and how it can be, be leveraged, and that's just the basis of budgeting. And I think that if you're able to have a firm foundation of budgeting, you're then able to move into these different sectors of like stocks and using financial vehicles or maybe life insurance and, and using that. Or maybe, you know, if you're fortunate enough to, um, you know, get equity when we're talking about startups and like angel funding and things like that. So I, I, I say it starts with the house. If you're able to, you know, communicate with your children or communicate with your peers about how you manage your money and, and, and be very honest about your pitfalls. And what you need to do, it's a great um, foundation that you can bring to high school and then bring to college as you start learning more um, technical aspects within that industry. I
0: hope our listeners got a, a, a note, some paper and some pens and are taking notes because you're dropping gems back to back to back. So, <laughs> um, just got a couple more questions for you. One being, I want to touch on being a leader in a community. So, what does it take to be a leader? <laughs> but then be one that's relatable, one that actually cares, you know, that, you know, I can tell what type of leader you are, you know, this conversation, you're, and it seems like you're a great one, so what advice, uh, like, what does it take to to be a leader, specifically in a community when you're helping youth?
1: I think that um, it, it's, you have to understand whatever industry you're, you're going into, for sure, and then you have to Know what value you bring and who you are to be able to tailor that leadership and what's needed in a certain industry um from you, you know, I don't believe that 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 as a leader, you should just make everybody bend to how you do things and cause you didn't grow up wearing suits or you don't know anybody who' wearing suits now, I don't need to wear a suit like no, there are standards in each in everybody's industry that you need to adhere to. It sort of acts as like a common ground, so you need to know what those are you need to learn the jargon and stuff like that but then you also need to know what type of leader you want to be and just try to try to mesh it you know I always saw myself in a a community sense being a leader as somebody who is relatable somebody who you know you just can't look at and be like oh I can't talk to them or because of certain things like this and that you know that just draws like some sort of like dissonance between what you're trying to do and and what you're trying to accomplish like yes there's people more more powerful than me that are looking at me but my back is faced to them honestly you know in terms of like relatability i'm not necessarily trying to be the guy who shows up at all the galas who's networking every day and doing things like that even though it is you know um it is very crucial in my position and in my work I want to always make sure that my face is facing the community and the people that I'm serving because I want to have the closest relationship in my community to be able to advocate appropriately when I do, you know, pass a proposal back like this, like, (laughs) y'all cool with that? Here, take it, you know, and then we'll go ahead and do whatever, you know, business stuff that goes around to it. But I just wanted Social Works to always be something, an institution which people felt comfortable approaching. Because you know we are, we're we're done we're we're filled with all these institutions Chicago Public Schools you know Chicago Department of Public Health you know um you know Chicago Department of Transportation the Housing Association there's so many different things and I feel like they're all huddled together trying to make sure you know that that they have it right within themselves but but you always have to be uh, cognizant of the people that go through that process and I want to make sure that it's not too time consuming. I want to make sure that their voice is always heard. And and I want to make sure that they know that they are a stakeholder in the many institutions that they go through, including social work. So, you know, always hit us up with an email, hit us up with an idea. Some of our best ideas or initiatives just came from people being like, y'all should do this. Or what about this? Or like volunteering and being able to be like, man, I would actually sort these clothes a little different. We should do it like this. And now like, that set up our stage to how we sort our warming item clothes for the last like three years. So um, so it's, it's just about knowing your priorities, who you are, but also don't, don't be too arrogant that you feel like an industry should bend to you. You know, you are a newcomer in an industry. And I want to say that even going into my year, maybe eight, eight and a half that I am right now, there's still things that I'm learning about, you know, the proposal and the granting process that I, that I'm, that I'm learning for the first time. There's still things about HR and team management that I'm learning for the first time. And there's still things about, you know, how to make a good proposal for the first time. So just always be learning, but also understand, you know, and be tight with the communities in which you're trying to serve.
0: So be open. That's something that my mentors told me is to be open uh, and, you know, take advice, like you said. Um, so how I end all my interviews. When people listen to this interview, what do you want them to get from me?
1: All right. So I want you to get this. And <laughs> uh, Wait one second. When is this coming out?
0: Um, sometime in December. I think the third week in December.
1: Third week in December. Third week. Oh, we might be past. Uh, we might be past our biggest event of the year. But two things that I want you all to, to learn from this. One is that you should get involved with social works. You know, Milwaukee, Phoenix, uh, New York, whatever, wherever you're from, wherever you get the Carbonstone Stone podcast, uh, get into with social works. We have uh, an amazing event coming up December 16th called "A Night at the Museum. And you should attend. It's going to be a fun family giveaway in which social works reimagines the 400,000 square foot Museum of Science and Industry to a place where you can give and receive with your families and make long-lasting memories. Number two is that um, serving the community and, and, being, and being, serving the community is tough. Serving anything is, is, is very tough, especially when you do, want to do it at a great level. So I want to say to all your viewers, you know, give yourself grace. you give you give yourself the opportunity to, uh, to make mistakes. And also um, give yourself the opportunity to fail. So if you want to try something new, just try it, try it, try it. And I guarantee you the journey in which you're going through or in which you try to pursue it will be way better than any outcome. You know, I I, I love that, um, that you know, Social Works has given $10 million to the Chicago community, you know, for the past six years. And it's a great stat to say, but I know for a fact that like, it is me it has turned me into in a crazy individual that you know that I'm very proud of. And I believe that each and every one of our journeys have the power to to make us into who we're supposed to be. So don't be afraid of uh, of becoming who you're supposed to be.
0: Man, you amazing. I can't wait to meet in person. And I thank you so much. Yo, wait one <laughs> okay. second. Yo, well, go ahead, oh, go wait, ahead, go should, ahead.
1: We should do this. We should do this offline. But yo, Carving Stone should actually come to a, it should be a media outlet for um, a night at the museum. Like you should come in and document it.
0: I I probably could get somebody out there. I'm actually located in Georgia now. I moved to Georgia in March. Yeah, so just trying to expand the business. You know, be local everywhere. So, but no, I Are you do. ATL? No, I, I don't want to say where I'm at, but I'm I'm about like 45 minutes or so away from Atlanta. They are pretty expensive out there, but I'm trying to move a little closer to the city. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we definitely you gonna talk offline. Um, but thank you so much. Um, again, this is the Carbon Stone Podcast. My name is Naisha Stone, and our guest today was Justin Cunningham, the executive director of Chancellor Rappers Nonprofit Social Works. So thank y'all and make sure y'all tune in every Tuesday for the Carbon Stone Podcast where our positive news articles come to light. In the end everything will be carved in stone.